Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. So good to see you. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. It's uh, my privilege to welcome you to uh, House of the Lord today. If you're with us online too, so glad that you were able to join us today. Uh, this, we're in the season of Lent. Lent is the, the period about six weeks before, uh, before Easter, and it's a time of reflection and um, and understanding our need for a Savior, which is what we're talking about right now. Our series right now during Lent is called Repent, what it means that we, or last week we were talking about reflecting on why we need a Savior, and today we're talking about regret. A big part of repentance is the regret over our sinfulness. So we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, it's also a service of communion, so we'll be inviting you to join us for the Lord's Supper we believe that we are very much in need of God's grace and he offers that to us in his means of grace called the Lord's Supper and gives us the very body and blood of Christ in the bread and the wine. We call that real presence. Uh, and he offers the forgiveness of sins through that meal. So um, if that is what you believe also, we invite you to join us celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, a couple of announcements I wanna highlight in the, the bulletin announcements that you were handed this morning as you came in. Um, there are a couple things like Easter flower orders. We like to decorate with a lot of um, celebration and color for Easter. So if you would like to help us with that, there are actually some forms in the commons on the table there, um, or there's some instructions in your bulletin how you can do that online as well. Um, help us to decorate for Easter. And then uh, Lenten suppers. There's also an announcement about that in the bulletin. Not this Wednesday, but select Wednesdays through Lent. We have a meal prepared and ready for you over at our Faith Ministry Center before our evening worship. And um, the next one coming up in a couple weeks is um, pulled pork, which is always a favorite. One of our members just uh, smokes it, prepares it. It's amazing. So hopefully you can join us for that. Again, information in your bulletin there. And then you're going to miss it right now because you're actually in worship right now. But over at our Faith Ministry Center at 920 during our Sunday school hour uh, each week over at Faith, uh, Ben Sherbarth is leading a study on Revelation. So if you ever wanted to know about the book of Revelation and how to properly understand it, um, that actually is going to be available online, not live streamed, but uh, recorded and then put up on our website after the fact. So um, you can follow along with that. Even if you're in worship with us at Celebration, you can uh, join that online uh, a little bit later. That's the announcements I have. I'm going to hand it over to Mike and the band, and we're going to worship. I'm going to invite you all to stand as we join in song. Trinity. 
God in confession, we look first at the words of Psalm 32. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed 
and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. God is omniscient. He knows everything about us. He perceives our thoughts from afar and he knows our every thought before it is spoken. We take comfort though in the words of St. John. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice of our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Like we just sang in the previous song, Jesus is our comforter, our counselor and prince of peace. He is our defender, deliverer, king of kings. He is our refuge, redeemer and Lord of lords. He is all that we need. So let us now humble ourselves and reflect on our sins, things known and unknown, things done and left undone. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you and our neighbor in thought, word, and deed. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, things known and unknown, things we have done and failed to do. Create in us a pure heart, O Lord, and guide us by your spirit so we may live according to your will and bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. When we sin, we are deserving of eternal death. I mean, separation from God forever. But instead, God calls us to himself and he offers us forgiveness. In Jesus Christ, he brings us from death to life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his mercy. It's my privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated as we sing.
temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay we need you, God. Every hour, we need you. We pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit down upon this room and just fill us in every way that you know that we need. Your strength, your courage, your hope, that we might face whatever it is that is challenging us. You know every concern in this room, Lord you know that we are desperate without you. We need you every hour and every day. Our one defense, our righteousness. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. So we turn to the word of God this morning. Uh, as we do with every worship service. And today we begin with the, the book of First John in the New Testament, the letter from the Apostle John to the Christians of his day. And John says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now for the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand in honor of our Lord as we hear from Luke chapter 18 and Jesus telling the parable of two men who prayed in the temple. 
to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please, you may be seated. Have you ever had one of those moments of instant regret? You know what I'm talking about? As soon as you do something, you regret it. So I can remember one of these times very vividly from a number of years ago. I, I know this is gonna come as a complete shock to all of you, but two of my kids got in an argument. It happens in pastors' families too, it, it does. And, and one of my sons um, used a pretty hurtful name for his brother. And I just, I snapped. I, just, I got in his face and like it was a visceral, uh, just deeply emotional reaction. Because I can remember as a kid, when I heard some people I love using pretty hurtful names toward me. And that deep soul hurt just came rising up and I was in my son's face saying, don't do that. And as soon as I did that, I mean, he was shocked. I was shocked that that came out of me. And, and I said, oh my God, what did I just do? Why did I do that? It was like an immediate weight of guilt and shame. And in my 20 plus years of pastoral ministry, I have found that this is a universal kind of weight. This guilt that we carry for things that we've done. Guilt is this unwelcome guest that shows up. We, we've known him for a long time, but let me, I want, what I wanna talk about today is Guilt is not always a bad thing. You might ask, well, how is guilt not bad? Well, for one, guilt is something that actually separates us from the animals. So my wife and I, almost 10 years ago now, had a chance to go to Kenya. And while we were in Kenya, we went on a safari in the Serengeti where we saw lions and cheetahs chasing after uh, wildebeests and gazelles and zebras and vultures uh, picking at all the last morsels of flesh on dry bones. 
And I'll tell you that out in the Serengeti, it is raw and violent and completely without remorse. There are no animals, and when they have a prey in their mouth, thinking, oh my God, what did I just do? This is just a baby gazelle. No, they are violent, and they don't have any guilt. Guilt does not visit them. It visits you, right? It visits me, guilt. We have plenty of that, which we can attribute to conscience. Romans chapter two in the New Testament talks about how God has written his law on every human heart. And our conscience actually bears witness to this. Even if we didn't have the law written down, we would know what God expects of us because it's written on our heart and our conscience tells us when we've done something wrong. But again, that's not always a bad thing. You can say this way, there's good guilt and there's bad guilt. Let me point you to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Paul says, Godly sorrow or godly guilt, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, but worldly sorrow brings death. Right, so godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, but worldly sorrow brings death. There are at least these two kinds of sorrow or guilt, godly and worldly. Now worldly guilt is that kind of guilt that you feel when you've done something wrong and you feel guilty, not because you did something wrong, but because now you have to deal with the backfire, the consequences of someone being mad at you or whatever other consequences. It's sort of a sorry, not sorry type of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like you say you're sorry, but deep down, you know, really you're just mad you got caught <laughs> or you're upset that there's some things that you have to deal with. That's worldly sorrow. And there are certain worldly ways of dealing with sorrow. One of those ways that we can deal with guilt is to justify our actions. This is where yeah, but comes in. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you made me mad. Yes, I'm sorry, I, I was undercutting my boss, but you have no idea what it means to work with this guy. Yeah, I was looking, but if she weren't wearing what she was wearing, then, you know, that's not, that's not godly sorrow. That's worldly sorrow. Closely related to justifying, of course, is blaming just shifting the fault to somebody else, pointing the fingers. You don't have to feel guilty for your actions if you're really not the one at fault, right? Just blame it on, blame it on Biden, <laughs> blame it on Trump, <laughs> or your parents, or the dog, anybody and everybody but yourself. This is a really popular one. It's really popular in our world today, and it has been popular since the very beginning. The very first sin, when Adam and Eve in the garden disobeyed God and they took the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat and they ate it, and then God came 
And God said to Adam, what is this you've done? And he said, no, the woman you put here with me. Or not just blaming the woman, but even blaming God for putting her with him. Eve, what is this you've done? No, the serpent, right? Pointing fingers, blame. Another kind of justifying is comparing. Well, I'm not that bad. At least I'm not like, you know, fill in the blank. This is sort of like what was going on in Jesus' parable with the Pharisee, right? He's praying to God in the temple and he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here, right? That's comparing. Justifying your sin is not the only way to deal with guilt. Uh, I know a mom and a dad who didn't want to hear their baby crying in the back when her pacifier fell out of her mouth. And so they just turned up the radio. That sounds really awful, but a lot of people do this, not with a literal radio, although sometimes that's true. They just make noise, right? They turn up the noise in their life. They get busy with work. They're so busy their lives that guilt has no space to bump into our life. Or you make yourself busy with friends and social media, or you busy yourself with working out physically or entertaining your mind with Netflix or gaming or whatever. It's just a bunch of noise in your life so you don't have to deal with guilt at all. Another worldly way of dealing with guilt is just deny, deny, deny. This is a really popular one today. Just, you know, our world today doesn't wanna say there's any kind of sin. You can't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. It's good for me. You do you, I'll do me, right? You can't judge me. Even God can't judge me. So just deny that it's wrong what you've done. Hard to feel guilty if, it's not a sin, right? That's bad guilt, worldly guilt, and worldly ways of dealing with guilt. But in contrast to that is what Paul calls godly sorrow, godly guilt. So back to 2 Corinthians 7. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. So our series right now in the season of Lent, as I mentioned at the beginning of worship, is, is called Repent. We're talking about that process of repentance, what it means to turn back from God, or from, from doing our sinful things, back toward God. Now, last week we talked about the first step really is reflecting on the fact that we have sinned, that we've done something that is against God's way, I mentioned, I was preaching at our faith ministry center last week, and I mentioned that we have this particular mirror at my house. You know, it's a small little one that sits on the counter in the bathroom, and on the one side, it's a regular mirror, but you turn it around, and it's a magnifying mirror. You know what I'm talking about? I hate those mirrors, because it like, feels like every pore on your face is like this big, right? It's like, it means 
every hair that's out of place, every blemish, every wrinkle, it just magnifies it and it's grotesque. Why does anybody want to look at a mirror like this? What I mentioned last week is God's word is very much like that mirror. And it's, it's like the closer you get, the, the closer you get to God, the more your sinfulness is magnified. It looks worse as you get close to God. And you don't want to look at it. But it's actually good for us to reflect on just how far we've gone astray and we moved away from God. It's reflecting on our lives and recognizing our sinfulness leads to godly regret or godly sorrow and godly sorrow, let's put it up on the screen again, godly sorrow brings repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Now, keep those words up there for a bit. I wanna want reflect for a minute on that connection between sorrow and repentance. Sorrow and repentance. Sorrow is something that we normally associate with grief, right? It's something that uh, when someone dies, we feel sorrow and grief. Now, in the ancient world, when somebody was grieving, it was customary to do one or two or three of these things. Number one, it was customary for someone actually not to sit down in a chair or on a pad, but to sit on the ground. And think about this, not like a finished floor or carpeting, but on a dirt floor. They'd actually sit in the dirt and get dirty. But it's almost like it was as low as they could go in their grief and their agony, their sorrow. Another thing that they would do is put on sackcloth. Think of this as almost like burlap. Can you imagine a burlap bag that you actually put on, the itchy, scratchy, uncomfortable, irritating kind of thing? Well, they would do that like an outward expression of the internal discomfort that they were feeling over their grief. And one of the other things that they would do is they would take uh, cold ashes from the fire pit and they would either pour them over their head or rub them on their arms, their legs, which would you think is pretty rough and uncomfortable. Again, just as this outward expression of their internal grief and discomfort. Now, notice what also happens in the Bible. Job 42, verse six. Job says, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So Job is using the same kind of outward expression for his sin as somebody would use when they're grieving the loss of a loved one. So in other words, Job is mourning over his sin and his brokenness, his failures. He's 
torn up over his failures as much as if he lost somebody that he loved. Does that make sense? That, that's godly sorrow over sin. It's, it's that kind of intense remorse that you hear that Jesus is talking about when he describes the tax collector who goes into the temple. And he says, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now notice there is, there's no excuse here. There's no trying to justify himself. There's no trying to point fingers and blame somebody else. There's no denying it. It's just confession. Just turning to God in all honesty and saying, I'm a sinner and pleading with God for his mercy. Turning to God which is actually what repentance is. We're gonna look at this next week and the week after. What, what repentance literally is, is you're going away from God and you do, in essence, an about face and you're going the other direction toward God. Repentance is that turn. Well, in order to make that turn, you've gotta regret it. This, what Jesus is talking about in this parable, the Pharisee and the tax, collect, tax collector, is a tax collector who is obviously regretting and turning back to God, acknowledging now, what did Jesus say? I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You can try to justify yourself in all kinds of ways, but nothing is gonna work except when you're justified in Jesus. When you come to God in openness and lay before him everything. And when you do, you're always gonna find, when you turn back to God, what John talks about, you know these words probably, because you know, we Lutherans use these words in John, 1 John 1. A lot of times we use it for our confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just. And this, this is always true. Whenever we come and confess our sins, he forgives us our sins. And he purifies us from all unrighteousness. And John goes on to say, if anyone sins, we have an advocate, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So when we've sinned, he stands up and he says, I paid for that. Because John says he is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Right, atoning sacrifice means he's a substitute for us. We deserve to die because of our sins, but Jesus died instead. He's our substitute. And now he can stand before the Father anytime we sin. He said, I paid for that sin. You don't have to experience the punishment, at least before God. Sometimes earthly punishment, earthly consequences. But before God, it's wiped out because Jesus took that. Now, God can't just pretend that you didn't do anything. He's a just God. That's why Jesus came. He took it for you. And with Jesus, there is no, yeah, but. 
Yeah, I died for sin, but not yours, right? Yeah, I, I, I died for sin, but really only for Republicans or, or only Lutherans. You know, not, he's, there's none of that. Yeah, I died for sin, but not one that big. You know, Jesus does not have, if, if, if there is a yeah, but with Jesus, it is, yeah, you sinned, but I paid for it. And so there's no fear. And just coming to God, completely coming clean. I mean, fully transparent. He knows it already anyway, right? Just no excuses, no blaming, no denying it, own it, grieve it, and then let Jesus take it because he has. One last word from Matthew chapter five. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says, blessed are those who mourn. And I think that he means not just those who mourn because of death, but those who mourn because of sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Amen? As our band is coming back up to lead us in our next song, let me just say a word of thanks to all of you who give, uh, whether that's through your volunteer service or through financial offerings, uh, help us to do the work of the church to share this gospel message of Jesus Christ that he, is, he has paid the price for us. There's nothing that we can do um, to, to rescue ourselves. And so God has given it, right? And we are able to share that message with our community, with our church members, with the world, and you're helping us to do that. So thank you very much for helping us with your offerings.
God, our gracious Father, you are calling us to come to the cross, to lay down our burdens, to lay down our shames, to lay down our brokenness, and to find new life in you. You're calling us to your throne of grace to bring all of our concerns, our joys, all the moments of life that we celebrate, and all the moments of life that we grieve bring you all that and lay it before you and trust that you hear us. And so, God, we come in our prayer. And especially on behalf of those who are hurting today, we, we lift up our, our prayers for Audrey Rissi, who is undergoing a, a number of health issues. For Alice Yore, also at home, dealing with her own health issues. Pray for Mary Hove, who will be having surgery this next week. And we pray for Lorraine Paquette as she is nearing her last hours here in this life. God, we pray that you would bring, bring comfort, strength, especially faith, that we would lean on you for what we need in each of these times. For those that we name before you that have gone unspoken, but in our hearts and minds, you hear us and you know our concerns. We lift those to you. For those who are grieving, not just sin, but grieving the consequence of sin, is that, and that is, that is death. Pray on behalf of those who are mourning today, including the family of Tim Miller, 
family of Nancy Miller as they have been called to your near presence. We pray for Bill Lurkey and his family at the passing of his brother Bob. And we pray for Jeannie Leitzen and Terry Westby and their families and the passing of their mother, Shirley. God, we pray that you would turn all those eyes that are crying and grieving today toward your throne in heaven, toward those who are at rest with you, and toward the bright day of the resurrection that is yet to come. As we have been promised, Lord, by Jesus himself, you will raise us up at the last day. Just as Jesus was raised, we too will rise. And so, Lord, transform every day of grief by the promise of that last day. Lord, we also celebrate with the many moments of life of uh, new birth and baptism, wedding anniversaries and birthdays. Celebrate that uh, just last night, Mia and Gabby Hernandez were baptized here. Thank you for the new life that you have given them by your spirit, calling them to be your children through the waters of baptism, giving them that, that assurance, down payment of, of what is to come. Lord, we pray that you would prepare us as, we are, uh, as we're coming toward your table of mercy to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper today. Make us worthy, not because of our own actions and worthiness, but make us worthy in Christ as we come clean and are made clean in Christ. Lord, these prayers we lift up to you and we trust you hear us in the name of Jesus who taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks... He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For those of you who are worshiping with us online today, I invite you now to take and eat, take and drink the body and blood of Christ. Those of you who are in worship with us in person, I invite you to make your way around the room a bit, share a greeting with those who are with you in worship. Um, Introduce yourself to somebody you don't know and share the peace of the Lord.
may this body and blood of our Lord Jesus continue to strengthen you in faith. Know that you're forgiven. Go in peace. Please stand. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And let all God's people say, amen.